Welcome back to Speakeasy Security, the podcast from ESET. I'm your host, Ransom Burkett. And I'm Tony Anscombe. And on this week of Speakeasy Security, we find ourselves looking into a fairly unusual topic. What if the cyber criminal is your child? Now, I say that again. What if you're the parent of an 11-year-old boy who threatens to leak your obscene photos and family details unless you pay him a ransom? Now, I know our listeners may be shocked to hear that. And to be honest, I, I think I was shocked, Tony, but apparently this is true. Tony, you and I were going to look at this reported ransomware from within story and examine why it's important for anyone who shares a home computer. So, Tony, tell me about what happened here. So the story comes from India, and it's about a father and son. Uh, the son is just 11 years old. The father is contacted by a group demanding money. And that group is asking for a set amount of currency or they're going to uh, leak his alleged obscene photos and family details. And his email was actually hacked and the password was changed. And the reset mobile phone number was also changed. So, which would, should imply that somebody had access to the two factor, yeah, the element of the two factor authentication required to hack the phone number. Now, the hackers even claimed that they were watching him and his family and they continued to harass him. However, the man did the right thing. He didn't pay the ransom, which is the right thing to do. He contacted law enforcement, so the local police. And they investigated this as a cyber attack, which is already rewarding, actually, to hear that a local police force took this on as a cyber crime. And they discovered the IP address that the attack was coming from was actually the man's house itself. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that blows my mind. Right. Unbelievable. So the, the son was attacking the father so the son had reset the email password. The son knew what was in the email account, etc., knew what was on the family PC, obviously had access to the two-factor authentication device. And the man's son eventually confessed that he was actually behind the ransomware attack on his father. And he told police that he'd learned how to do this by watching YouTube videos that showed him how to do this and, interestingly, how to avoid detection which obviously wasn't a very good video because he obviously did get detected. Yeah, you got <laughs> and they And they linked it back to him. So I just recommend don't use that YouTube video. But, um, I mean, there's a number of things in there, isn't there? You know, one about the boy, but two about the availability of this type of thing that you can find on the internet to show somebody how they can do this type, type of attack or create this type of attack to start with. I can't, but I mean... You hear this kind of thing, and you think it's an episode out of one of your favorite crime shows, but this actually happened, and I'm just, I'm, I'm still blown away. This, this is an incredible story, but I got to give it to the kid. Maybe that's one way to try to get an increase in your allowance, right? <laughs> Let me just ransom you, Dad. Hey, maybe you'll pay up more because I, I need money for whatever it may be. But no, all kidding aside, I think this highlights a topic that may need to be discussed more with with everyone at home more, I mean, a lot of the world is still in lockdown. Why is it and why it is important to set up user profiles on your 
home and your shared computers. So Tony, let's tackle this. Like what did the parent do wrong here or what could they have done better? Well, so let's think about your house to start with, Hanson, because I know you, know you and your son, and I think about my house as well. How easy would it be to have actually avoided being in that situation if it was a family member? So on my Windows machine or on a Mac, I could create separate user profiles, and those profiles silo the data and silo all the connections. So on a family-shared laptop device, you know, we could uh, we could have two different profiles and keep everything separate. Now, of course, there is the issue there that what happens when I'm if one family member is using the machine and somebody else walks up to it and they haven't logged out because you know one person is using it directly after another. It's in, so you've got some issue there of teaching people to log out, etc. And are we are we going too far? Is that going too far in a household? Uh, you know, are we thinking about hiding hiding our stuff or having stuff to hide in, in the right way? But then I started thinking, well, you know, I know you've got some Apple devices in your house and I've got some Apple devices in my house, but what do you do with the iPad? So if you're getting your email on your iPad as well, which actually on our family iPad, all of our email is on it. So actually everybody in the house has their email and it just goes into different different inboxes on the iPad. Can you set up profiles on the iPad? And the answer is no. So then you get into a different problem. Well, would you have different email clients and protect each email client with a password? And well, or is the problem something else? <laughs> is the problem about actually directing your child in the right way? So that you're not the you know you're not the victim, and actually yeah. they're using their cyber cyber skills for good, not for bad. Um, but there's a second issue there, isn't there? Which we should come back to on YouTube as well. No, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, let's start with kind of the individual profiles. And now you mentioned it's all siloed, and the information you know can't be accessed. Um, but is there any way that someone could compromise? another user of that same machine? I guess what I'm asking here, what is the worst case scenario where the same sort of thing happened to an individual in the story that you just mentioned? Uh, could it actually happen again if they took the steps that you prescribed of creating these discrete accounts? Is that well, possible? If, if you created the separate accounts on the device and there were strong passwords in place and those passwords were unique and they weren't using you know, the dog's name or the cat's name or whatever you call your car or, or whatever it might be, um, you know, as long as they're using something unique and you're treating it as though you're in a business-type environment and having password resets every 90 days or 30 days or whatever it is you deem necessary so that you're having to change the password frequently, as long as you're not leaving the password on a Post-it note stuck to the screen, you know, these things still happen. Um then, yeah, I mean, the data should be separate. It's no different to having a shared machine in a, in a, in a workplace. Sure. Sure. Uh, okay. If you had shift workers and different shift workers using the machine one after the other, can't access the other shift workers' data. So that it, is, it is relatively secure. But, you know, I, I think I'd challenge any family to actually adhere to that much of a strict security policy within their own family environment. 
Yeah. I yeah, think maybe. to a certain degree there's trust, isn't there, of the people in the household. And you may put parental controls on. So, for example, on that, we, we talked about an iPad there. You might put parental controls on it. And the parental, I, you know, I can unlock other things on the iPad because I can unlock the parental controls. But the issue is, is as your kids get, get older, you know, parental controls probably aren't the solution either because actually that becomes less of an issue as you get older teenagers. So think about this now, now not an 11-year-old but a 15-year-old. Yeah, would you be blocking and putting parental controls on a 15-year-old's device? And I'm not sure you would. Well, put it this way. I don't think you'd be living in the same house if you tried. Yeah, yeah, right. As much freedom as a 15-year-old would request, and that would just be, yeah, that would probably be a deal breaker for most of them that we know. So this brings up the question I have to ask, and I'm curious. Is this the first time you've seen or heard of a child hacking something? Well, interestingly not. Uh, and I'm going to go back actually a number of years here, you know, five plus years in fact. There was a a story that I was involved in. Actually, I, I was on the BBC News with this story um, because there was a child in Canada who had actually worked out how to build a piece of malware, took a piece of malware and used it for their own purposes, and it was credential gathering. And it was used very specifically on gamers. And this kid had worked out how to create this piece of malware and put it out in the world. It was passing back the credentials and he was stealing shields and weapons out of online games and putting them in his own account in online gaming. Now, in this instance, unfortunately, they made uh, this child made a mistake. They left the email address in amongst the malware. <laughs> rookie mistake, rookie mistake. Yeah, rookie mistake and... and uh, as the, the cybersecurity company I worked for at the time, we decided that actually the best thing you could do was kind of alert this child to having done things really badly. And yeah, but you don't want to get law enforcement involved. You want to direct this person into the right direction and give them other things to do. And I think that's what ha- pretty much what happened. But it was a rookie mistake, rookie mistake. So no, it's not the first time I've seen it. I'm sure it won't be the last. Yeah. You know, kids are inventive. They're innovative and they're going to find all sorts of ways to use technology to one have fun you know i.e in gaming but two you know get the increase in allowance that maybe their parents had said no to make it make a payday out of it right well well that's good that's good for me and i'm gonna grab a drink here and you'll probably be surprised to know what i'm drinking but tony i am drinking tea this week i have removed the alcohol and i am now sipping on an english tea here what about you well i also have a cup of tea here branson and and i have a very special brand of uh tea that we're drinking in our household at the moment which is which is betty's tea shop and betty's tea shop is a very famous establishment based in york the the historic city of york in the uk Wow. Betty and York, the way you say it makes it sound like I should be there having a... Well, and having if you go there, they they do the full afternoon tea experience and it's uh, you need to book it, but it's a delightful experience. And obviously that's a post-pandemic activity. Certainly, certainly. Well, in, in true Corona and COVID fashion, we are 
we are certainly socially distant. So I raise a glass, excuse me, I I raise a a mug of tea to you and toast you from here in Southern California. And we're going to sip that and get into the next part because you actually got me thinking about something. Um, You talked about the ethical part or potentially the ethical part here. And with as you mentioned, that if, if a child shows an aptitude and certainly an interest in looking at maybe the bad side of the coin or the black hat side, um, is there an opportunity for the parent to kind of look at the other side of the coin or the white hat version of it in regards to like security, uh, computer security? So, for example, could the parent create some sort of learning challenge or learning opportunity for their little one that has now shown an aptitude for creating ransomware, trying to cover their tracks, and then ultimately getting paid. So, for example, can little Jimmy give, uh, or can the parent give little Jimmy a, a challenge of, hey, do X, Y, or Z, or is that actually tempting fate? Do you not recommend that? Um, no, I, I think there's an opportunity here for parents to certainly direct their children in the right direction. Uh, and it's a fine line, as, as you and I both know. Sometimes I look at security researchers, and they could easily be on one side or the other because um, they have the skill set. It's just that they've been directed to the right side, and I think that's true of children as well. So it's important that parents look for the aptitude and not, are not avoiding the you know that subject of uh, their child having the aptitude. Take this case. I mean, do you punish the 11-year-old? Or uh, I, I actually think I'd probably shake their hand and turn and say, wow, you know, that was that was." quite impressive now let's enroll you in a computer science course and use those skills in the right way and let's encourage you to actually go and do the right thing with your your interest in technology and there's all sorts of different things you could do you know there's sites that encourage kids to code Uh, you could buy your kids a raspberry pi and challenge them to create a family or their own Bluetooth speaker or their own smart plug or smart light system. So there's all sorts of different things I think you could funnel that to. Uh, but also I talk to the education, uh, their educators, so their school teachers, and try and make sure that their teachers are aware that the, the child has an aptitude and has a big interest in this and see where the education system can actually help as well. Uh, but there is a huge movement, as you know, Ranson, on kids that code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll kind of get on the uh, ESET platform here and promote something we ran for a number of years called the Cyber Boot Camp, right? Where we had kids from uh, somewhere as young as in eighth grade all the way through high school where they would come and spend a week uh, with some of our senior researchers here in San Diego and get a chance to learn how to do red team and blue team activities while meeting with folks on our security team. Um, They had a chance to meet with federal magistrates to hear, let's just say, for example, they didn't choose the right path. And instead of being a white hat hacker, they went to the dark side, so to speak. Um, What was waiting for them on the other end? For example, how prosecution would work. What are the fines and ultimately the criminal penalties they would face if they chose that other path? Uh, But also, what are the teams that are involved with catching these criminals as well? Um, there are people from the the, the power grid system here uh, and a variety of others. So we wanted to expose them to that 
and the interest was beyond what we could have imagined. Um, and, and gosh, when, when things come back to normal, I'd love to see if we could reapproach that, that opportunity because uh, we, we had folks from some very esteemed companies coming here and looking at the talent that were coming out of high school. I say this again, high school that showed an aptitude for kids that were, again, uh, sometimes graduate or sometimes postgraduate students. So um, as you mentioned, there's a number of resources in as, as a company here that really likes to foster education. Um, these kind of child boot camps or early development boot camps for cyber have been a really good opportunity for kids to really get their uh, get their feet wet, so to speak, and hone their skills. So I, I completely agree with you there. Maybe we'll put a couple of links for some of those in the in the chat here because I believe my old alma mater, Virginia Tech, uh, also offers one as well. Well, yes, and and I've seen you know living up here in the Bay Area, um, I've seen the other end of it as well. My wife, as you know, works at a school, and I've seen some of the projects some of the kids at their school work at. Now, I will say it's kind of a a, pri- a privileged school, so. When I give you these examples, you're going to go, wow. But, you know, the kids run their own projects. They they have to take on a certain project. Some of those kids take on a project that's technology-focused. They have to do this as an extra, extracurricular activity. The last time I went along in an evening and looked to see what these kids were working on, one had created their own self-driving car. Um, that was kind of impressive. So they'd taken a car and, and created their own self-driving algorithms around it and it was going up and down in a straight line i mean it wasn't going around corners yet and stuff like that but i mean it, it was a good start another child had created an, a full exoskeleton so the, i'm just saying the, the skill sets are out there and you need to harness that te- you know, harness that um intelligence and innovative thinking that kids have in a different way to what would we do as adults and use it for the right thing. You're absolutely right. And I love that. Um, self-driving car in high school. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was another child actually building their own electric car, but we we just leave it. At, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So up there in the Valley, the Silicon Valley is breeding uh, a ton of, impressive not only students but of course the projects that are coming out of these minds i mean what is it going to look like in 10 years tony right are we just going to be blown away with what is it taxis and and other forms of transportation that are completely i'm going to be still at the gas station you're going to be at the gas station (laughs) well well, we're both in california so wasn't it 2035 they said no longer will california be able to sell any more gas-powered vehicles now but you and i I know you're a gearhead so you'll probably have something that 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 still works on petrol (laughs) well this is a great topic. I couldn't, I mean, I think we could probably go on and on and on, but if anything, I think we really are not only looking to highlight the fact that the learning and the aptitude starts quite young, just as evidenced by the first two stories that you mentioned, but also the examples you mentioned around uh, the high school um, in your neck of the woods, but also there's an opportunity to turn that um, potential, I'm going to call it for for malice or for for looking at the bad side of it to something good. And that's really what we want to offer here. So for any parents uh, or even the kids that are listening here, um, we definitely encourage you to have a look at the opportunities that do exist for you because uh, we definitely feel not only as an industry, but there's an opportunity to have your skills be used for good. And at Speakeasy Security, that's what we're all about, trying to share the good message. Uh, anything we, else? To, oh, sorry, well, yeah. we'll add some links in here in the bottom of the, the podcast episode for kids coding and mm-hmm education sites as well we'll sort some of those out fantastic that makes perfect sense tony i've got my tea i've got my laptop (laughs) i think i've got another few hours here on the machine so with that i'm gonna raise another glass to you and say that was a great one 
and we'll check in with everyone next week. I look forward to it, Ransom. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.